listening to Rabbit Radio, the official podcast of FC Edmonton. Welcome to Rabbit Radio, the official podcast of FC Edmonton, going live to Facebook for some of you. And for the others, you're going to have to wait until Friday to hear this broadcast. We're in the uh, in the studio here with uh, JP, Jeff Paulus. We're here with Andreas Morris. And our special guest today is Nick Ledgerwood. Nick, how are you doing? Good. Thanks for having me. Glad to have you. We're going to be talking a whole bunch of things today. Uh, some of it will be coaching in Canada. And then, of course, we'll be talking to uh, Nick and uh, what he's done with his whole soccer career. We'll have the Eddie's Week in Review right into the NASL Roundup, as always. So let's get things uh, rolling here. Um, Mr. Paulus, thoughts? Canadian soccer, coaching in Canada. How how are we doing as, as a country? This one's actually, I think it might start off more of as a rant than, uh, than how we're doing. So, but JP, but, that's unlike you. It is, yeah. <laughs> um, no, and the reason for it is, you know, it's a, I've been writing a blog uh, lately and, and putting a bit of research into it and, and what it's like to be um, a Canadian coach. Okay. And a Canadian coach uh, born here in Canada, yeah. uh, Canadian coach, and with all, though I dare say with all due respect, but a Canadian <laughs> coach without a foreign accent. Oh, not an accent. Because, well, can you uh, coach, though? Yeah, but can you coach? Exactly. And, and, and this is where accent. the rant comes from. So there's the great point, and that's okay. what it's all about, D-Dub, because, because in Canada, unfortunately, we still think that, that a Canadian can't coach. And, you know, lately we've heard so much about Iceland and that if we adopted what Iceland has, we can be successful here. But it's not that cut and dry. It, it, their country is completely different than our country. So rightly or wrongly, if we do what Iceland has done, then we'll find success as well. And certainly on the coaching side, we can take lessons because they have so many licensed coaches. Yeah. But what no one ever talks about with, with the coaches in Iceland is that they're all Icelandic. So Icelandic coaches get a chance to coach in Iceland. Well, aside and from the national team coach. Fair enough. But, but in, their, in their country, these are all Icelandic coaches. Yeah. And they don't get shunned upon because they're from there. They're not looking to bring in other people. These are their coaches. So, so that's the part of the equation that I think we miss out in this country. Mm-hmm. And, and it's... it's I think it's very difficult for a lot of coaches. So if you're a young coach here and you're trying to get ahead and you look at taking your licenses, there's so few full-time jobs. Yeah. Uh, and what full-time jobs that are available are often going to people that don't come from Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, there's great coaches. I have a lot of, of great course. friends yeah, yeah. not from Canada who are great coaches. Uh-huh. And an accent to no accent at the end of the day is irrelevant. Uh, my point being, though, is just the fact that you don't have um, a birth certificate from somewhere else actually limits you uh, for a lot of these jobs. Is it similar to the players, uh, you know, Canadian players trying to make it abroad, Europe specifically? Um, is, it, is it harder, even more so, for a coach to make it abroad? I mean, oh, is that the, yeah. first of all, is that the goal for a Canadian coach to make it overseas in Europe? Or, I, 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 from my own perspective, I think for most Canadian coaches, it's just being gainfully employed. Yeah, I, I think yeah. that's your biggest thought, and I gotta and, think it's gotta be. But my point is, it's gotta be even more difficult for a coach to make it overseas than it is for even a, for a Canadian oh, player sure. to make it Can overseas. You name a Canadian coach that's coached overseas? I cannot. I mean, uh, the only Canadian no. coach I know who's coached anywhere but Canada is is uh, our friend in uh, Oklahoma. I don't yeah. think Ooh. I can name it, Alan. Uh, Alan. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, and that's he who shall change. not be named. That guy? He shall <laughs> not be named. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, oh that's God. the only one I can think of off the top of my head. I mean, yeah. And, I mean, and that's uh, that's thoughts for you too, because and I'm pointing at Nick because I know that's uh, something you want to do is get into the career of coaching. Oh, definitely. Um, I mean, like you said, as as players, as coaches, I think it's it's very difficult for Canadians either way to go overseas. Yeah. yeah. I think uh, you know, not having a European passport hinders. The, the move so much to get over there. Yeah, but that might you be know, a good thing for Canadian soccer. It, yeah, you would hope so. But then you look at the Canadian teams holding on to Canadian players, and you wish it was a little better. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think I think the Canadian teams still have a problem with that, where you know you go to the bigger countries like Germany or Italy, Spain, where they want to hold on to their players, they want to yeah. develop their players, they're going to give their players the first chance. Where some some clubs in Canada it doesn't seem that's the case. Yeah, which is which is kind of sad to see at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, should there be a minimum uh, Canadian content on Canadian teams? I think so. I mean, coaching staff perspective. Are we talking. Uh, well, I guess now? we've kind of gone off uh, on yeah, a kind of a. Niche. But even but even go on coaching staff. But yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's, uh, that's, that's let's start with question. that and keep it on that. And I certainly think so. Yeah, I, I, w- I, w- I would agree. That would be so much. 
better for the, for coaching in Canada? If you started to see yeah. more coaches at the higher levels, well, you've got I mean, a guy. We just watched your buddy play uh, coach um, in Columbus over Toronto just now, right? I mean, yeah, it's Pat, happening. Pat Onstad. Pat, Pat Pat's been there for yeah. a couple of years now, and he yeah. was before that he was with TFC, and mm. but of course he played in the league, so yeah. it's a little bit easier sure. for guys that have played in the league to make the transition to coaching sure. within that league. Sure. As, as I would say the same thing for Nick. I mean, Nick's transition could be one where he's in the NASL. Or actually, you know, who knows? You, you could probably hook up with one of those German clubs you were with. And, of course, we'll get a little more in depth about the clubs you yeah. were with. But I'm sure you probably could get some sort of coaching, whether it be at the U14, U16. And work their way up from I think there. the, yeah. the players well, yeah. have that as they're building the contacts throughout their whole career. And so many players go into a coaching career after yeah. right. that. It's it's so much easier for those players to say, hey, you know, I played, I played with you for 10 years. Let's, you know, mm-hmm. see if... You know, yeah. the chemistry as a coach or assistant coach work out. Yeah. And I think having those contacts, you know, that is huge for anybody in the soccer business. I could see the NASL even stepping in and saying, you know, uh, offering coaching courses for, well, American American players as well as Canadian players um, to, to enable to help you guys get your licenses, right? Help yeah. you get that at least a foot in the door. I know, I know. Guys, England's done yeah. it with their with their FA coaching. They, yeah. you know, they usually help all their players to get it. I mean, I think that would be something that Canada should look into. I think it'd be mm-hmm. huge for Canadian soccer, mm-hmm. you know, to have uh, the players that play on the the men's national team to uh, you know even run some coaching clinics, you know, even bypass them through if you wanted to bypass them through a B level or whatever, just to help them yeah. get their coaching licenses. But at least you have. You know, somewhere you're teaching players to coach after their career. You're opening more doors. You're helping more people out. And, of course, the beauty of that is you've already got a background in the sport. You have an understanding of what goes on on the pitch, what goes on off the pitch. I think that's hugely important. So so you think that it's important for a coach to be an ex-player, or do you think it matters? I think think an ex-player of some ilk not necessarily a ex-professional player. Fair enough. Yeah, right. they played the game at if some you level. You played the game at yeah. some level and have an understanding of how the game works. I mean, it's. I mean, most coaches that are of quality have, have, have just got a mind for. Um, I, I don't want to use the term puzzles, but you know what I mean. They can, you, for, the, for the strategy of anything, mm-hmm. uh, if, if you can work through the strategies of football, then you're going to have some inclination of how to coach and yeah. how to how to get those points across. So, so I, I mean, I've always thought, and obviously it's easier to say when you've not played professionally, so of course you, you probably get a different opinion, say it, than if you have. But, but I, always thought, I always thought the ideal coach, manager, would be an ex-professional player who is also a very good teacher. And I think being one or the other is not enough. Mm. I think it's a combination. I, I think having played the game at some level um, is important. Yeah, you know, for sure. So that's important. Now, do you have to be a professional player? I think there's enough examples uh, coaching at the highest levels in the world that would suggest no. Yeah. You don't have to be a professional player at the yeah. highest level. Uh, what that what that has exposed those those players to, the ex-professional players, typically to higher levels of coaching throughout their career because they've made it to professional play. So they're exposed to better coaches, better managers, um, higher levels. Mm-hmm. The flip side, of course, is maybe they're not. Maybe they've worked for managers that are so old school mm-hmm. that, that their development in the game was actually 30 years behind the game. True. If that's who they've played for, so yeah. it can work both ways. And um, but I, I think I think a good coach is, is valued on a lot of merits, and, and some of those are teaching. And I always go back to an analogy I use often when we're in this type of a debate or discussion on coaching. I relate it to teaching, and not every student becomes a teacher. Uh, not every, so, yeah, but if it's an analogy that every professional player could be a good coach, then you would assume that every student could be a good teacher. And yeah. that's not, and we know that. But um, every teacher was a student. Yeah. Every teacher was a student. Yeah. So I think you have had to play the game at a certain level for sure. Um, it's vital. Mm. Yeah. And there's also credibility. If, if you if you can't kick a ball yourself, then you're you know, trying yeah, to get the respect yeah. of the players. It's definitely hard to get the respect yeah. of, exactly. of the players exactly. if you can't kick a ball. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely other ways of going around it. Like you said, being a good teacher, being a good leader, yeah. knowing the game. Um, being a student of the game. Exactly. But I think first and foremost, players... Uh, give respect to to ex professionals. Yeah, right off the, right off the bat. I mean, a lot of the times they they lose that right away. They lose that respect just because they're not good coaches. Yeah, you know. So, uh, like you said, I don't I don't think there's um, you know if you've never played professional, you can't be a good coach. I 
I completely yeah. agree with you. I think there's enough examples out there. For sure. That have, have proven that wrong. Yeah, so. I agree. I agree. We're live right now to Facebook as well. Uh, as I said, the, our actual podcast is pre-recorded, and we, we re-air it on uh, on Fridays. You can uh, Twitter uh, through Twitter accounts. You can tweets. There you go. FC yeah. Edmonton now. <laughs> FC Edmonton now. Yeah. Send the questions if you got questions mm-hmm. for Nick, JP, myself, or Andreas, or just on a topic you want to hear about. Mm-hmm. And for those of you who are tuning into Facebook right now. Uh, feel free to uh, message us, I guess it would be, or uh, yeah, or right. just tweet. comment. Tweet. Com- yeah. tweet. It's Facebook. Oh, it, Facebook. It's comment. Uh, you yeah, would comment on it. It's comments. Comment your <laughs> questions to us on Facebook, and, yeah. and we'll be happy to answer them uh, as best we can. Right. We've got our media guru, James, in here as well, yeah, sitting in with us. And, uh, and Thomas is here as well, team. helping with the production of uh, the Rabbit Radio. here at. And by the way, I forgot to mention, we're at the First Round Sports Restaurant in downtown yeah. Edmonton. Fantastic place to come. And eat. But uh, continuing with the uh, Canada coaching comments, um, I, I, I have gone and I have seen uh, coaches who were horrible, who were players. Uh, and, and, and me throughout the, I mean, I've been at this for, what, 26 years, almost 30 years now. And uh, you see a gamut of, of guys that you thought, mm, okay. You know, he's played pro. He should know what he's talking exactly. about. Yeah. And yeah. they don't. And I've been oh. coached by some of them. Yeah. Or, or, or they well, have what, it. What are they when wrong? You, are they wrong with the, the X's and O's? Or are they wrong with how they're dealing with I, I their think, players? It, that's, I think it's more, for players, it's more the aptitude to be able to express the knowledge you have to yeah. another group of, of I, people. I think, every, I think that's every, where they break Every coach down. has his own philosophy, how he wants to coach. Of course. Yeah. But I think a lot of coaches struggle in getting their philosophy across to players in the proper way. Mm -hmm. They can't teach the players what they're thinking of in their head. And I think um, that's where a lot of ex-players struggle because they think it's so easy when they were playing. Oh, I'll just do this in training. I'll just That's how we'll run a team. But to actually get out there and coach and to have your style transform over to, to team style, I think is a lot harder than... So many people think. Yeah. Does it? Uh, if, if if somebody goes out and watches Pep Guardiola's training session, um, it, it, is it smart to go out and mimic that training session, or is that uh, setting your your sights too high? Is it too lofty of a goal to be able to pull off in a in a in a lower ranking situation? You see, now that that's where I think. I think that's an error in, in some people where they try and mimic exactly what someone else is doing. I think what you have to do is take in what they're doing and then make it your own in some mm-hmm. some regard, whether it's how you convey it to the players mm-hmm. or whether there's an element within what they're coaching. I really like this element, but I would do it this way. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's part of your well, development and, as a coach. And to adapt yeah. it to the players that you're coaching. Exactly. Uh, if, if Pep's key. coaching a team, there's not going to be any other team in – uh, lower leagues that can do the drills as efficient exactly. as he's yeah, teaching. So yeah. if you, like you said, if you like that drill, but you can adapt it to, to the, to group the level have, or the exactly. group you have, then, you know, like hats off to you if you can do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and your yeah. philosophy has to match. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's, uh, I'll, I'll pronounce it wrong, but juego uh, de posicion. And it's, it's essentially positional based base football. Mm-hmm. And, uh, or playing, you know, using tactical periodization as your development model throughout the, throughout the season. Yeah. Well, if you don't believe in the same thing to mimic what he's doing, it would be a waste of time because sure, he's, sure. Got, he's got very set ideas on how he wants to game played. Mm-hmm. And how he wants to game played is evident in every training session. So you don't just take bits and pieces because that's actually part of a well-structured and, and thought-out planning, uh, training program. Mm-hmm. So it's a bit different. So it's probably important for you know would-be coaches to go and watch that training session. But at the same time, I'll always be watching. Go go to a go to a fourth division Spanish game sure. or oh, sorry training session and watch yeah. that coach and how he works with those players yeah. at that level. And kind of combine them both, learn as much as you can, absorb as much as you can. Just. I think we talk about all two. There's uh, the ex-player aspect, there's the, the teaching aspect, and then the one the one aspect that we always leave out is leadership. And, and leadership, leadership is an entirely separate study area in itself. Uh, How to be a good leader? What is yeah. a good leader? Not necessarily just a soccer, a football manager, a soccer coach, uh, a leader in the military. I mean, having. The beauty of having been in the military seven years is I got to study for seven years what leadership looks like. Mm-hmm. And that's at the highest stress moments. And that's at the most important. That's where leadership really shows itself. Yeah, you, leadership comes out in a one in a one nothing game with two minutes to go and the other team's pressing. But when you're the captain of a warship of 200 and you're in a war zone and, and someone's come within your, within your engagement limits, 
that's leadership. And that's crucial. So, <laughs> but but I think that also has a part to play in what, in what a great manager is. And, and I think when you look at all the greats and people talk and you hear co- uh, players talk about the greats, the Peps, um, the, the Clopes, uh, the Marinos, is that there was number one. The Bangers. Uh, yeah, yeah, a hundred percent, Dre. Hundred percent. I forgot to, to include the championship clubs. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, um, <laughs> but, uh, but what they say about them is their leadership skills and their personality, and that there was a genuine. There, they knew there was a genuine care about the players, and, and they knew that, and there was a belief. So, so these players do anything for these type of managers. Mm-hmm. I, I, we did forget a couple managers, so Canadians that have that have gone on. Sure, you know, of course, Colin himself. I mean, our own manager. Colin, uh, yeah. He has Frank coached Gallup. in Scotland. He was a, he was a uh, player coach. Um, he was in England for a year too, wasn't he? Yeah, he was the assistant Derby. manager at Derby in the Premiership. So, and I don't, I don't believe we've had a Canadian manager at that level of the game. But Frank Yallop certainly, uh, uh, Wadi, yeah. uh, yeah, and, and Nick Dasovic sure. down there as an assistant Dasso. as well. And as San the CSA Jose, does so. uh, does a job of putting Canadian coaches in into the, um, the at least the U twenty threes, U twenty, you know, the the lower. Yeah, Jason oh, they're, oh, they're all Canadian. Yeah, yeah. So, so all of our youth teams, mm-hmm. they're all Canadian coaches yeah. within the youth. Canadian uh, yeah. stream, so certainly, and that's where we need to have good young Canadian coaches yeah. in those environments. Yeah, for but sure. you know, the, the whole point going back to you know, because we talk about licensing, we've got so few licensed coaches, no B licensed coaches, A licensed coaches, whatever the case is. Yeah. But in this country, where there's so few jobs for Canadian coaches, do you take a week off work and get that license? Well, exactly. Are you going to travel know? two weeks to Montreal to get your B or A license and then well, come and back up and to the association like... to make that accessible for everybody? And, and, sure. and I think well, yeah, I think the onus is also that's on the league. Like you're saying, that's a big risk to take time off work to do that and then to come back knowing that the percentage of you getting a coaching job after in Canada is very slim yeah yeah, yeah it is are it, coaches paid a, uh, at the at the like the EDSA level or ESA level no no they like get that? honorariums typically okay. and whatnot but no the TDs would be paid right but uh, this is a typical Canadian soccer fact though probably the one Canadian that's done the most in this game is a hockey guy <laughs> Yeah, actually, right? yeah, what's his yeah. name? The old Oiler uh, guy, Ralph Kruger. Yeah, and Where is he at? Southampton, Southampton or something. Yeah, I think he's at. Southampton. So our most successful soccer guy overseas <laughs> is a hockey guy. So there you go. That makes sense. Yeah, uh, Daryl Cates probably sent him over to Europe and uh, is making him hone his skills there, yeah. and he's going to buy a you know he'll buy a Premier League club and have him play out of Edmonton or something. Let's just start that. Let's just start that Daryl Cates MLS rumor right now <laughs> yeah. on Rabbit Radio. I did not mean to do that at all. No, no. Well, and, and on that note, there's so much more we can discuss about uh, uh, coaching in Canada and, and Canadian coaches and those who are vying to be uh, licensed Canadian coaches. And we'll continue to have chats like this through uh, throughout the broadcast that we do. Um, when we come back, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk to Nick a little bit about his career, his career with the national team, with FC Edmonton, his overseas career, and uh, all sorts of stuff like that. For DWJP, Nick and Andreas, we're coming right back. podcast of FC Edmonton. Rabbit Radio live at the first round sports restaurant in downtown Edmonton. We are here with uh, Jeff Paulus, Andreas Morris, and our special guest, Nick Ledgerwood. I should also mention we have James, our media guru, and Thomas, his cohort, also in the booth with us. It's a pleasure to have them here as well. Nick, we were going to uh, touch base about your career life in soccer, how it's been for you, your trips to Europe, all that kind of stuff. So let's start it off. We know you're Alberta, born and bred. Yep. Um, got your start in Lethbridge, I believe. Lovely city of Lethbridge, yeah. So why, don't you, why don't you give us a little uh, taste of uh, what your youth was like and, and then how you ended up, whether, you know, how, how did you end up getting up the ranks and, and making it professionally? Um, yeah, started just like any other kid in Alberta with uh, Lethbridge Cosmos at the time with our, with our youth uh, team there. And we traveled up to Calgary, Red Deer, Edmonton for, for weekend games. Um, and then when I was uh, 14, got into the Alberta program mm-hmm. um, and lucky enough to uh, play, play a year up. Um, and at one of the nationals, I got scouted by it was Otman Breer, who was the the head coach that time of the under fifteen Canadian yeah. team, and that's when they had 
a group of 30 boys stay after the tournament, and then you would try out for the, for the under-15 Na- national, the national team. national program. Yeah. yeah. And that's when I first had my step in the national program. So my, my first, actually, trip to Germany was when I was 15. How exciting was that? Yeah, that was scary. Very, <laughs> very, very scary, yeah. I think I'm pretty sure that was my first overseas flight and, you know, leaving, leaving home, leaving the family for that period of time. But, I mean, it was such an experience to go over there. And uh, we stayed in Duisburg where they had a sports school. Uh, we played games against uh, Schalke youth, uh, Dusseldorf wow. youth teams. And I think, so that was my first real taste in, in soccer outside of Canada. How did you guys fare? Sorry to interrupt, Nick. But actually, did you guys... actually fairly well. Yeah. yeah. So we played up, uh, the Canadian team played, I think it was against the under-17 teams of Schalke. Uh, and I believe it was Duisburg and Dusseldorf. Um, and as far as I know, uh, we held our own. Uh, as far as I can remember, you know, we had a real solid team. I think three or four of those guys ended up uh, moving on to the Olympic team and the men's team later on. So that's great. Yeah, so a lot of friendships that were still built then are still you ongoing. Know, ongoing. Yeah, um, and then back to Lethbridge after that when I was 16, um, started playing in the Alberta Major League Soccer mm-hmm. uh, here, and um, that's when I got noticed by the Calgary Storm, which was. The old A League, A League pro team. A League pro team back oh, in the day. Yeah, when I was at the Vancouver eighty sixers. I remember coming in to yeah. play against them. And uh, so I moved up to Calgary when I was seventeen. Signed with them. Um, played one year in the in the A League, and after that, the the coach at the time brought. Uh, myself and another player over to Germany for some trials. He's the one who set up some trials over in Germany. Yeah. He went with you? Uh, no, he didn't go with us. Okay. It was just uh, myself and another another boy from Edmonton, Waldemar Dutra. Okay. And we went over to Germany and he had set up some trials for us. And uh, my first trial was with Bayern Munich. Uh-huh. So I, yeah, stepped right into the deep end kind it of thing. It was just like one of those it was, Yeah, it was, un- <laughs> it was unbelievable. Um, it was unfortunately they had an international week, so I didn't get to meet a lot of the players. But Owen Hargraves was there at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, Sebastian Deisler at the time when he was playing with the national team. Yeah. That's when Oliver Kahn was there. Some of their huge, yeah, big players. Um, so yeah, I had a week tryout with Bayern Munich, um, and then the next week I went pretty much right across the street to 1860 Munich, oh, and had a had a four day trial with them. And at the end of that trial, they offered me offered me a contract to to come back and sign with their with their under 19 youth team wow so that's kind of how it all started off well that's pretty exciting what a great way of starting off no kidding i mean i know waldo waldo dutra is uh i mean in edmonton he can still play he's still a good player but certainly he played for me at Mm nate and um he was uh you know at the time probably um waldo dutra and tiago silver the best players i think i've ever coached along with chris lemire uh, but what a player he was as well. So uh, it's a small world that you've gone over with him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we've had uh, such a good friendship since uh, he uh, he signed with, uh, I believe it was a third third division team over in Germany while uh-huh. we were there. And that's pretty much that kept us going. You know, we yeah. were there by ourselves. So every week, you know, we'd call each other, you miss home? Yeah, you miss home? Yeah, well... Let's fight it out. Let's you know, get it's getting, stuck in. Yeah. Exactly. So it's it's that friendship to help me out in the first first year while I was over there for sure. Nick, when you're when you're at that age and you go over to Germany and like you say, you leave your family behind. Does the club do anything to make that an easier transition? Do they invite your family over at all? Do you- um, as far as inviting the family over, nothing, nothing like that. A lot of the times, uh, when I talked to the, like the youth coordinators, their advice was, you know, if you're if you're missing home, try not to call home. Oh, you yeah. know, yeah, and that's the more you call home, the more you're going to miss home. Like try sure. to try to get involved with all the other the the stuff other players, that's going on around the you, stuff that's going on. You know, try to make friends outside of soccer, that kind of thing. So uh, they were really good on that part of it. They they set me up in a language school right away. So when I was with the under 19 team, I did uh, four hours of German in the morning every morning, really? Monday, Monday to Friday. Hours. Yeah. And in the afternoon is when we would train. Right. So the first six months, you know, I was I had a busy schedule. Yeah. It was just like going to school and then training in the afternoon. Um, they set us up in almost like a dorm kind of environment with the other players. So there was, I think, 12 players. You shared a big kitchen. You had a main living area, but everybody had their own rooms and, you know, bathrooms, TV, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So you really had a team bond with, with everybody you were playing with, which made it such a good team atmosphere. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. So now, would you take turns cooking? And, and if so, in German, what would you ask for to eat? Uh, actually, we didn't take turns. No, it was kind of survival mode. Everybody was, <laughs> yeah, everybody took care of themselves. Uh, the one nice thing that we did have at, at 1860 Munich was after every training, we could go and they had a, a like kitchen. Like a commissary or something like yeah, that? Yeah, they had oh, a, okay. at the training grounds, they had a, a oh, kitchen right. and a restaurant there. Sweet. And yeah. all, the, all the kids from the youth team could eat eat there. Oh, so that, that would make life easier than having to cook at home. A lot easier, yeah, yeah, no yeah especially at that age. <laughs> so, so what would happen, and this will be, I mean, this is for, I don't know if any of our academy players will be listening to this podcast probably not um but and you don't know this yet but i guess i'm gonna ask you tonight because we'll be having a, an upcoming meeting with parents and families of the new of the new intake of academy players okay. uh, hopefully yeah. mid-august and i'd like you to come out to that to nick and to speak to the families and and because i'm always you know one of the things that we always deal with is do these young players really want to be professionals in canada and do they know what it's like to be a professional? And are they willing to give up and sacrifice to be a professional? And sometimes when, you know, you hear stories that maybe they're doing this or that in school yeah. or they're in their other environment with other friends that don't really care about this game, are they willing to still care about this game? And yeah. So so what would happen then? You know, you're, you're a young guy. You're there on your own, you know, essentially being raised by a German professional club in important years. And uh, so what would happen if, if you slacked off and didn't go to german classes or if you were a nightmare one evening out in the town or yeah yeah i think i think that's one thing that if anything germany's what i learned the most in germany was was discipline Mm -hmm. and that's what they they preach all the time over there from such a young age discipline when every player comes into the locker room you shake everybody's hand it's a it's a respect thing you shake the coach's hand the coach shakes yours Mm -hmm. before addressing you before training there's so much respect between players and coaches and the discipline that's that's there and and the players have to follow it because there's so much talent and there's so many players there that if you do step out of line you know of course you get your one warning two warnings but the third time there's so many other players willing to step in right. and take your position mm-hmm. and it's a great point and they want it so much that they're not going to be late three times in one week. They're not going to miss a training session for no reason. Right. And, and I've heard so much, too, about uh, yeah, foreign players coming in from North America. It, it, you almost have to be twice as hardworking. Well, yeah. Twice, not necessarily twice as good, but you really have to show yeah. something special to oh. even stick with the team. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's one thing that, uh, you know, Germany really started pushing for. Um, in I think it was just 2003 was when they started to try to really push for their German talent, and they you know they were going to stop buying a lot of foreign players because they thought they had what it took in their talent pool to make a really good national team. Yeah. And so that just you know made it that much harder for any foreigners to come over there and for compete sure. with it. And you know I think that's one thing that Canada should be doing is really pushing for the Canadian talent first. Any foreign player that comes over has to first prove himself. To take that position of a Canadian player, because mm-hmm. that's what every other country does. Yeah. Nick, you know. there's a there's a, a lot of Canadians end up trying at least to get over to Germany. And what and can you tell the listeners what it is about Germany that makes it more accessible than say Italy or Spain? Yeah. Um, so Germany, you don't need uh, a European passport. I I don't have a European passport, and I played in Germany for ten years. Um, it's one of the easier countries for Canadians to get across to. I know Spain, Italy, England. You all need you need a European passport to yeah. get involved. Yeah. Um, so I think that's why you see a lot of Canadians trying to make it over in Germany, or a lot of players have had really great careers in Germany. And I think it's just because of that. I don't. I wouldn't say it's a loophole, but it's uh, something that they. I guess don't require of Canadians to have going over. And is it just with Canadians, or is it any country? Do you know I'm, that? I'm not sure the exact details. Okay. If it's just Canadians or North Americans, okay. But uh, it definitely is a lot easier for for us to get over there. Yeah, okay. and I and I know that there's some bendability to to that at least in the UK, where if you've played. In that year, you've played 70% of your national team's games yeah. or been on the roster 
for 70% of their, they will let you come in at that point. Oh, really? As well. So, but, I mean, you have to abuse Yeah, and I, yeah. Think the, I think the ruling was your, your country needs to be ranked above 65 or 70. Oh, that's okay. right. Okay. And I think okay. that's where Canadians are getting stung a little bit right that's now is because right. of, our, of our ranking. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, it's, I think, 70% of the last two years on the men's national team yeah. that you have to be involved it's, uh, in. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. I think it's a great question. I'm really glad you asked that, Jay, because, you know, the other thing that happens in Canada, of course, is, is you get a lot of people that can exploit the game. Mm-hmm. because of our standing in the game. And how many times I've heard, I've had a young player tell me that this this scouting agency or this scouting agency says they're going to get me to France, they're going to get me to Spain. Well, do you have any European parents? No. Well, then no, they're not. Mm-hmm. No, they're right. not. So unless they tell you Germany yeah. or, yeah, or right. Scandinavia, they're not yeah. going to get you over there. So right. it's a great question, good answer. Yeah. And yeah. I'm sure that's a whole other podcast that you can oh, do. Oh, for sure. That agents, would be... Yeah. <laughs> agents, <laughs> soccer <laughs> exploitations. <laughs> and that'll definitely yeah. be something that, right. that we go to. Yeah. Um, let's, let's actually... We're going to go over to our media guy here, uh, James. Have you got a question from uh, either uh, the Twitter feeds or... Yeah, we had or, a... One coming from uh, Jamie Montgomery at Jay Monty. Uh, please ask Nick about his time in Sweden and if the footy and your role differ from Germany. That, that's not my cousin, by the way. Who's no, asking that I question. thought so. Yeah, no, no. So can you, can you just sort of yeah. mention what the question was? Yeah, again? so um, couldn't really hear it, James. I, I, I just don't know if wondering your, your button how, wasn't pushed. How the time was that when I played in Sweden and how it kind of differed from when I played in Sweden to Germany. And, and what your role was, uh, what, how, how role your role might have changed. Yeah. yeah, my role as a as a player might have changed. You want me to go again here? No, yeah, you're, you're, you're got it. We, we got the question. You're, you're cut for now. I just want you to speak like you have a set. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, actually, back to the to the question. My time in Sweden was probably one of the best that I've ever had as a as a professional soccer player. Uh-huh. Um, I signed with a great club. Uh, at the time, I didn't know much about them. Uh, Hammerby. Um, Dre's a huge supporter. No, I'm not. My mom is. I'm a Hedsing boy. Dre's mom is a huge supporter of me. Hammerby. Uh, (laughs) Isn't Hammerby a Black Eyed Peas song? What? No, I'm pretty sure that's I'm a B. I'm a B. I'm I'm, I'm a B. I'm pretty sure you're wrong. (laughs) Never mind. But um, just the the atmosphere that um, that crowd made every home game was just phenomenal. I've never played in front of supporters, you know, uh, that supported that team so much and it, it's funny in in sweden hammerby also had a a hockey team uh a bandy team which is a different form of hockey and field like hockey, field hockey ho- almost yeah. together yeah. but so that fan group supported every team that was hammerby in stockholm that's awesome it was you know it was yeah, unbelievable awesome. <laughs> and the the fans were respectful when i saw them in the city they they loved to have a quick word but really respectful and just love to make noise i mean probably the best supporters i've i've ever played in front of yeah, yeah. that's awesome now how was that as far as language differences obviously it's four hours a day in german for 10 years what was it like making that switch to actually sweden? Was, sweden almost felt like kind of coming back to canada oh. uh the the people in stockholm spoke such good english you know, I was amazed by, by how good their English was. And uh, I learned that a lot of their movies and television shows are not allowed to be dubbed. So they all watch the American or North American TV shows in English. Wow, that's cool. All their movies, all the TV series are all in English yeah. in, in Sweden. And that's how they learn English. such good English. Yeah. You know, and the, the people that I tried to speak Swedish to or the couple words that I knew just wanted to speak English because they wanted to practice their English. Yeah. So um, just a really good feeling. Uh, the, the Swedes are... You know, great people. I'd compare them to Canadians on how nice and friendly they are. Yeah. So it's just a, definitely a different mentality, a different culture than, than what I was used to in Germany. Mm-hmm. Um, not saying anything bad about the Germans. It's just a different culture. Yeah. Um, but, again, in Germany, they their religion is football. Yeah. That's what they live and breathe. And, and, you know, the fans and the passion that they have there is, is unbelievable. I think, you know, anybody that's been to Europe to see a game – Oh, knows yeah. knows what passion. the passion's like exactly, sure. and that brings so much more to the game. It's unbelievable. Yeah, well, that's great. We're going to come back, uh, take a little break here, and when we come back, we'll talk to Nick a bit more about his uh, his life, his career, his happiness, his sadnesses within the game of football. <laughs> this is Rabbit Radio, the, the official podcast of FC Edmonton, and DW's losing it. 
listening to Rabbit Radio, the official podcast of FC Edmonton. And we're back live at the uh, First Round Sports Restaurant here in downtown Edmonton. This is Rabbit Radio, the official podcast of FC Edmonton, and we're talking with uh, Nick Ledgerwood. Legend. Legend. Sounds better, doesn't it? Doesn't that sound really better? Does. Nick the legend, legend. 40, 47, yeah. legend. 47 national team caps, is that right? That is correct. 47. That is yeah. legendary. That, that's that legendary. Is, that Thanks. is legendary. Yeah, you, you've reached legendary status, I would say. Yeah. Thanks, we got we got a few more questions for, for Nick. We've, we've been talking to him about his career and where he's come from, where he's going, all that sort of stuff. JP, you got a couple of questions there? Well, I've got or one, thoughts? and then maybe after this, I don't know if we have another one, uh, Jimmy, from, the, from someone on Twitter, but... Yeah, so my question is now, obviously, um, when Benito came in, you know, this was this big, a big signing for the country because of his background, you know, managerial background. So uh, we expected a lot of change, country expected a lot of change, and of course, we're all armchair coaches at the end of the day. We all, we all watch yep. and wonder what's going on. So, so I guess, how has your experience been with Benito? Obviously, you don't have to say everything. I'm not going to put you on the spot that much, Nick, but his training habits, his training style, maybe his philosophy in the game. But what is it that our national team now is trying to do on the pitch? Um, yeah, I mean, when Benito came in, I think everybody was first, uh, you know, surprised that we, we, we had a coach that had, you know, coached such big teams in Spain and yeah. to, to get him over to the Canadian program. Um, on the other side of it, it was definitely uh, something new for, for all the Canadian players. Uh, I remember the first training camp we had in Spain. He brought in 30 players because he wanted to get to know everybody. And to be fair, I think it was a shock to everybody. You know, I, I don't think the players were used to his style of coaching, his philosophy. Um, and I think a lot of people were, were taken back and didn't know, you know where the program was going. But um, I think it didn't take long before people to see his philosophy and what kind of stamp he wanted to put on, on uh, you know, his coaching. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, I think the Canadian players that are involved are experienced enough and you know, said that we're going to invest in this. We're going to get on board 100% if, even if we don't agree with some of the stuff at the time. Um, and you know we want to we want to do our country proud. We're going to play for our country. Yeah. And how does that happen, Nick? When the players decide, okay, we, like you know, solidarity here. We want to. I mean, yes, some of us are questioning the coaches, uh, the coaches' philosophies. How do you all get together as thirty guys who play for different clubs all over I, the world? Yeah, I don't. I mean, uh, I can only speak for myself, but I've been honored every time I put on a Canadian jersey, and I would never jeopardize anything to not have that that privilege. Um, so to me, it doesn't matter who the coach is. I'm going to try to do my best. I'll try to follow his philosophy as, as well as I can. Um, I know there's a lot of players that, uh, you know, not just the Canadian national team, any other national team that don't agree with uh, their coaches. Sure. Um, but at the end of the day, that's, that's the coach. Yeah, that's who you have to respect. And if you want to play, you know, that's how it's going to be. You have to buy into his philosophy. And I think... Uh, everybody bought, everybody's buying into to Benito's philosophy as a coach in, in how he wants us to play. He wants us to be a very high-pressing team. He wants us to press uh, the majority of the time uh, to win the ball back as quick as we can when we do lose it, mm-hmm. uh, as high up on the pitch as we can. Um, and he's a, he's a perfectionist in what he does. Uh, we have long tactical meetings, um, you know, long practices that get everybody on the same page. But at the end of the day, all that information is is what's going to make the difference, uh, you know, for for us going forward. And I think it's huge, uh, you know, especially when you're bringing in players from different clubs, playing in different countries, that they're all on the same page, that everybody knows what we need to do to go forward. And yeah. I think we've had some great results under him. Um, I think yeah. defensively, we're we're a much stronger team. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, at the end of the day, it's all going to be if we make it to the hex. Mm. Uh, if we make it to the hex, everything's been perfect. If yeah, not, sure. mm. you know, everybody's yeah. everybody's going to be upset. But I think people people can see that we are moving forward in what we're in what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Well, you're talking yeah. about training underneath uh, Benito, and and you said it was long long training sessions, long tactical meetings. Yeah, we were in Scotland for preseason, and uh, JP and. Uh, and D-Dub and, and Gaffer all went over to, to the Rangers um, training facility. I, I, I Sorry, D-Dub, you're not you. there. I, I wasn't able to I go. apologize. So JP and, and Gaffer went over and, and took it in. And one of the things they came back to D-Dub and myself and the guys who didn't go uh, was that the, 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 
the training sessions were 90 minutes max and it was um, it was by design that they were short and uh, I don't know if intense is the right word to use. What, yeah, uh, 90, would, 90 would be their, what, that would be their heavy day right, yeah. is what they refer to it as. Uh, but typically you'd look at an hour, an hour training session. So what is a player, I mean, uh, now, obviously Benito's got it, his own theory. Yeah, now I think, I think what's a little different is you're talking about a club team. So the okay. coach has that exactly. team every day of the week. Yeah. Um, and I think that's great. Short, sharp. I think any player would rather do a short, sharp session where, you know, he's, he's working his balls off for at the most 90 minutes, mm-hmm. but he's gotten everything out of the session. Um, I think the thing with national teams is you're preparing for a game. Yeah. So it's not about getting a hard session in. It's about getting all the guys on the right page, which I think you could have a longer session. Uh, the intensity is definitely not as high, okay. yeah. but you're making sure everybody's on the same page. Everybody's tactically aware of what what needs to be done. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah. That and makes can I also sense. say, I mean, for for a national team manager versus a club manager, a club manager has what nine months, uh, ten months to to build his team. Yeah, yeah versus definitely. the national team manager Dre, which is maybe two weeks of preparation two weeks work of, camp, yeah. uh, of players that all play for different managers under different sure. systems with different tactics and philosophies. Yeah. So, yeah, you, you'd understand that. Well, for I sure. think I think that what Nick said is is it's not something we should gloss over here, and that there's pride in putting on that Canadian Absolutely. jersey because sure. if you if you're a player that comes yeah. from a club that has a completely different philosophy, and that's actually what you have bought into at that level, mm-hmm. and then come to the national team and it's completely different, you don't necessarily like the strategy or the whatever. It just has to matter that much that you're. I think on at, that at the end of the day, it's about being a professional, yeah. right? It's oh, about sure. getting Absolutely. on with your work, yeah. and if you if you love it that much, I mean that's that's what it takes. Yeah. So yeah, not you know not pride because. I've often said a lot of things, and I'm, I'm, well, pretty outspoken, I guess, as you know. And some people take offense to it, and some people don't like things I yeah. say. And you know, so I'm thinking back to our, how we started the conversation, mm-hmm. and I talked about, you know, certainly the Canadian coach is often kind of handicapped in Canada. And uh, I just want to be clear that that comes from the same thing that Nick talks about, the passion in, in putting on a national team jersey. Mm-hmm. It's the same passion that a lot of Canadian coaches have for coaching in this country and trying to make Canadian soccer better. Certainly sure. not a slight on, on foreign coaches in Canada. No, no. Not at all. But, mm-hmm. so, but it's a great point, and it goes back to that as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. James, you, uh, you had another question for Nick here, I believe, uh, from the wonderful world of whatever. <laughs> yeah, I got one from Philip Quinton. Uh, he was wondering what it is like playing in your home province. Good question. Um, yeah, I made uh, the decision uh, last Christmas to to move back from from Germany back to to Alberta, home province. Um, and there was a number of factors that kind of worked into that. One being my wife lives here. Uh, I want to be closer to home, and I wanted to start. Um, Getting my my finger or my foot into into helping out grow soccer in, back in Canada. Yeah. Um, that's always been a passion of mine, and me being back home is what's going to allow that. Me being over in Germany, uh, there wouldn't be any opportunities for that. So I think both of those were were big reasons why I came back to Alberta. And the fact that it just worked out so good with, with FC Edmonton. I knew Colin from before when he was uh, an intern coach with the, with the men's team. Mm-hmm. And we had definitely kept in touch and, and talked about it. So everything kind of worked out perfectly. And uh, I think that was a sign for me to, to step into it. But, uh, you know, as far as being back in Alberta, I, I love it. My friends and family are here, people that I haven't seen for, for ages. Um, you know, and you just get that special feeling when you have your friends and family come out and watch you. It's different than, than being by yourself. Uh, yeah. which, which is a great thing. Uh, I, I know that uh, JP's got a couple of more uh, questions for Mr. Ledgerwood. Before we go into, yeah. sorry, okay. JP, because yeah, go go I've ahead. got one right on that. And I just got to know, when you're, when you're together with the national team, how much talk is it between all the players about, hey, you should come play for this club over here. I'm, this coach is great. This, this is a great setup here. How much of that goes on, or is that... You put that on the back burner and you focus on, on what no, the No, I mean, there's definitely, there's definitely a lot of talk. I think it's more so with whoever you're roommating with or whoever you're close friends with. Um, I have some really good friends on the team. Uh, you know, a couple guys from Alberta with Lars Hirschfeld, Toss St. Ricketts. And, you know, you definitely talk about, you know, how things are back in Edmonton, yeah. how things are with the club teams, you know, if they would ever be interested in, you know, coming back to the MLS, coming back to you know, play in Canada or the NASL. And, you know, surprisingly, a, a lot of Canadians would love to come back to Canada and play. I think it's, you know, it's 
Canadians love being in Canada. And I think it's just uh, looking for that right opportunity. So I, I think mm-hmm. at the end of the day, Canadians want to support Canadian soccer. Yeah. It's, it's, well, well, that's yeah. exciting to hear. I, 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 like, I love yeah. hearing the fact that everybody yeah. wants to come back and play and just, for their home country. And just, you know, a big, a big signing for Vancouver. Uh, David Edgar now yeah, from, from England. Two, two big signings. Coming over to Vancouver, yeah. Marcel de Jong Marcel de Jong has yeah. made the switch from Ottawa Exactly. You know, that's, that's huge for, for Canadian soccer to have those guys coming back. Yeah. 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 And while we're recording this, Vancouver's actually playing right now, and That's it's zero right. zero in the fifteenth minute. But yeah, uh, and we, and we <laughs> mentioned before, there's three former NESL players playing in this game right yeah, now, which That's is right. awesome. Yeah. That's right. Awesome. JP, you had, okay. uh, had yeah. a few as well. So I'm going to uh, just change this a little bit here. And um, so this question: so having just witnessed the Euros and seeing the insane amount of young talent on the French squad, now what will it take for countries like Germany and England to catch up? I think England's got a waste. <laughs> I'm not even going to touch that one. Yeah, okay. Fair although, enough. although I always seem to support them in tournaments. I, yeah. You know, i got to learn better. But, <laughs> I like to cheer for the underdogs. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, I was surprised that Ashley France didn't win it. Um, I thought with the talent that they had, the, the speed that they had, and, yeah. um, you know, I really thought that they were going to win it. Um, Germany, on the other hand, I think uh, brought in a lot of players that – haven't had a big impact on the national team so right. far. And I think that's what hurt them. Yeah. Um, they had a few injuries to, to some key players that I think would have made a huge difference in I the agree. tournament. I agree. Um, yeah. But in that game. I think as far as uh, the youth programs in both France and Germany, I think they do an exceptional job. And, and you see it with the, the young talent that comes through the national team. I mean, yeah. guys, are, guys are 19, 20 getting their national team debut. I mean, yeah. it doesn't get much better than that. No, I, that Portugal's still not getting any love despite winning. No. You know what? Well, I, a, team that, a team that doesn't win a game in the group stage but still goes through should Fair not enough. deserve to win the tournament. Agreed. And you know, how many Fair times, enough. I think we're seeing it with Ghostbusters, how many times is the sequel way worse than the original? <laughs> so I got to say, Greece, the Greece Part 2 this year was worse than the original. <laughs> Part the Greeks have done it. Uh, now we got to see the Portuguese, so it was, uh, it was horrendous. Um, yeah, no, they, they didn't deserve it, i got to say. But um, nor did France against Germany, so I'll be open about that. Um, okay, my next question. So, so obviously France now becomes the, um, the favorites for the 2018 World Cup. Um, so who will play the, who will play them this, in the this final? Is obvious. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. So who's, it's that obvious. Hey? Who's going to play them in the final? Yeah. <laughs> I think it'll be uh, a South American country. Do you? Yeah. We'll play them in the final. Hmm. A oh. South American country. Yeah. That will be named later. Do you want to pick one? <laughs> I, I, there's, there's a plethora of I, countries. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think it's a good thing because if it was Brandon picking them, it would have been uh, Argentina oh. winning the Euros. Yeah. Well, I think that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Uh, good shout, Salty. Good shout. All right. Well, thanks, Nick. We're going to keep you around here. We've got Had more a great questions. time. Thank you. Yeah. No, no worries. Oh, we, you're still around. Uh, oh, you're okay. still here for the rest yeah, of yeah, it. You don't yeah, get yeah. Out that not, easy. not kicking me that's out right. yet. No, no. We're not kicking you out at all. This is Rabbit Ray. Radio, the official podcast of FC Edmonton, live from the First Round Sports Restaurant in downtown Edmonton. We'll be right back. You're listening to Rabbit Radio, the official podcast of FC Edmonton. And we're back with Rabbit Radio, the official podcast of FC Edmonton, coming to you from the first round sports restaurant in downtown Edmonton. Uh, final segments coming up. We'll talk about a couple of things here. Uh, first of all, let's have a little bit of a wrap-up of the match that was for FC Edmonton over the weekend. I thought Nick Ledger would struggle a little. <laughs> oh, Did sorry. You? Nick, you're still, oh, I, thought, I thought we sent you home. I'm still, I'm still here, but I'm here. I'm not going to completely disagree with you on that one. <laughs> I mean, I, I thought the, the first half obviously was hindered by the downpour. Yeah, the, it, was, you know? it was horrendous weather. Yeah. Horrendous weather. Delayed 45 minutes yeah. for the kickoff. Yeah, that well, was the uh, the soccer gods looking after me so I could watch France in the uh, technical booth. <laughs> true so, enough. True enough. Yeah, um, but about our game, I mean, certainly I think I think everyone agrees that uh, Matt Van Oakel gets man of the match for, for us. Sure. Uh, gave us, but your keeper, you know, a, a keeper needs to give your your team a chance to win, and, sure. and Matt did that until we found our goal. And um, you know, I, I would still say not at our best, you know, to analyze a game and to be just. 
I mean, as honest as we can be without slagging ourselves, but we weren't at our best. No. And um, Matt made some saves. But again, though, I think in fairness to our team, a lot of those, there were some good strikes on goal, but they were good strikes in 25 to 30 yards as well. So yeah. we can't, kept them all we can't forget the that, that they're not, it's not like they were creating great chances inside yeah. our 18, which no. were high percentage. I, I think these were high percentage chances only because of the, uh, the weather conditions, how, yeah. how wet the field yeah. was, and, and how well the balls were struck on goal. So we'll give them that. Um, you know, when we, we took our chance well. Yeah, you know, sure. I, I thought Daryl did a great job. I mean, yeah. what were the defenders doing though? To be fair, I mean, yeah, balls I, in the air. It seems like it was in the air forever. He touches it to the yeah. left, and the guy just completely blows it high. His yeah. first touch is great. He puts yeah. him in, puts oh. him in opposite that, that, way that the defenders are running. But yeah. you're right. I mean, a ball being in the air that long shouldn't be a problem for no. for yeah. two yeah. seconds. Still, it was a fantastic touch to yeah. set himself oh, up. Yeah, you can't yeah, take anything sure. away from yeah, the goal. That's for sure. And it's, so, it, and it's kind of funny because uh, I recall telling a couple of players just a little bit before that where to slot the ball on this guy because he'd injured his arm. Restrepo had hurt his arm, the goalkeeper. I, I, I'm hearing that uh, D-Dub's claiming this three points. Well, I'm, yeah, I'm not claiming it yeah. for myself. <laughs> Thank yeah. God but for I, you. you know, but like did to, we say Matt like Van Oakle, man of the match? Yeah, I think we yeah, meant yeah. D-Dub. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, all right. Yeah. It, speaking of the weather, though, and how poor it, it was, the delay, how does that affect you as a player? Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's actually the first time I've had to deal with something like that. Uh, it, it definitely affects, affects the players. I mean, you go out, warm up for a game, and all of a sudden... You know, you have to go sit in a locker room for 45 minutes. Um, and just the way we had to get, you know, back, we had about, I think, five again, or ten yeah. minutes to warm up yeah. again, and then we were right back into the game. So it definitely, uh, you know, takes away from the game a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that I wasn't used to at all. Yeah. And I think it's just hard for the players to get back motivated again after such a long break. And I think that's, uh, you know, maybe something that we have to work on mentally as a team. Uh, we came out flat after, after we got back on the field. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, yeah. you know, the guys weren't prepared to put in the work that we normally do. Yeah. And I think that's why we struggled in the first half. Um, you know, we were, we were always a step behind, it seemed. Uh, the passing wasn't there. Uh, just yeah. the little stuff that added up. And, uh, you know, it adds up quick. And, uh, you know, one good thing is that we, we came together at halftime. We talked about some things tactically. And, you know, we went out and we had a much better second half. Yeah. Yeah, and it, and it looked it looked like a different team in the second half. Well, it's actually been a big part of our success, I think. So, so we've been in games where we've not always been throughout ninety minutes the best team on the pitch. But, yeah. but what we have been able to do this year is keep the ball. Mm-hmm. So we know we're going to defend well. Yeah. The, the team is designed and it's built to defend well, and we do that. And and I think the nice change we've had this year is, of course, our ability to keep possession of the ball. And typically, the last couple of games we've been in the four hundred fifty pass range. Mm-hmm. Uh, this game, I think, we're back down in the three hundreds. And so when you're talking about a flat performance. And we're not really doing the things we want to do, like mm-hmm. Nick's just mentioned. That's a big part of it for us now. Yeah. And uh, we we gave them the ball a lot in this game, whether we were playing a bit direct, more direct, yeah. missing passes, whatever it was. But we gave them the ball a lot. So, but at the end of the day, we're in third place. Yeah. You know, uh, when uh, the gaffer and I talked after the game, uh, on a quick little text as uh, when he was driving uh, on his wherever he's going. Um, <laughs> But like, yeah. But uh, no, we were texting back and forth as he's heading to the airport, and um, and one of those, one of the one of the messages on his way was, um, one of the messages to him was that, you know, good teams have to find a way to win when you're not at your best. Yeah. For and sure. I think we've done that this week. So we are in third place. We are a good team, and we take the three points and we get ready for Ottawa. Yeah, and, and that's and that's what we've been doing this week is getting ready for Ottawa. Yeah. Um, we'll move right away. So that was I mean that's the game that was. We're look yeah. forward to the week coming up and uh, let's talk a little bit about the week in the NASL and what went on during the week so we, we know our game it was 1-0 for FC Edmonton so we can uh, uh, cruise right into the next lineup which is Jacksonville and Puerto Rico yeah we'll just with you the scores if sure, anybody wants to jump in with a quick little comment slag anybody feel free um, <laughs> Jacksonville uh, 2-1 over Puerto Rico any comments? No. Plums, Plums came on, I think. Did he? Uh, yeah. Did he? Did yeah. Really? I think uh, Plums came on when they were up 2 nothing. I think he played the last 15 minutes, right. so that Great. was his debut good for, for, good the, for yeah, the club. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So and his plus minus is minus one. Yeah, unfortunately yeah. it's minus one, but they, hey, you, you, you get the three points. That's all that matters. Three right? points, exactly. So, yeah, good to see yeah. that. 
yeah. and he is really happy you've called him plums on the air. Oh, I know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> really happy what else what else would I call him? <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the surprise game, I think, for everybody, Carolina 4-1 over Tampa Bay. You know what, though? Coming off of what they came off of in Minnesota, I, I, they had to show something. Well, I think we all had written them off the last uh, well, one. Yeah, we did. I agree. I agree, did. I agree that we had, yeah. but they, I mean, eventually you've got to have some response from your players. Yeah. They got it. They yeah. definitely got definitely. it. And yeah, and they played, uh, and, and they've just played to a 2-2 result against West Ham. Yeah. So fantastic. Yeah. And, and, uh, and actually a pretty big signing for the NASL. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> As we're all sitting here trying to think of the name again, but it'll yeah. come back. He's to from us. Chivas, though. Yeah. Omar Bravo. Bravo. Yeah. Bravo. yeah I think. Bravo. Yeah. I think it's. Yeah. It's Bravo, Nick. Yeah. Huge for the league <laughs> having you know guys like that come in. Yeah. And I think what I think he's played 50, 60, 60 some odd games for Mexico. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. That's yeah. that's huge. That's yeah. huge to have that come uh, in. Fantastic signing. Um, Miami losing uh, three two at home to New York, and that was a, a last minute goal by New York to win that. So. Again, we talked about Miami last week, and we said that they've made some good signings. Yeah, uh, They're taking advantage of the structure of this league, which is an open structure, an open market, mm-hmm. and they're doing what soccer teams in the world do. Yeah. They buy players, yeah. and they've made some good purchases. I think you, you, you agreed with that, Nick. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think, like you said, good purchases, but at the end of the day, uh, you've seen it with big teams like Chelsea and, you know. That's right, Arsenal. Not, yeah, not all the time. Big purchases right. mean you're going to have a good team. Uh, yeah. Team still has to gel at the end of the day. And, oh, for sure. You know, have that team atmosphere and team spirit. So, uh, you know, as as much money as they are spending on, on those players, it's great for, for the league, I think. Right. But um, at the end of the day, you still need to win. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah. that's the bottom line, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, and as a small but yet interesting fact, Manchester United spent more than any other team in the Premiership last year, and look how well they did. True enough. It is a very interesting fact. It's it is an interesting, interesting fact, fact, isn't it? Okay. Um, Ottawa losing uh, 1-0 at home to Rayo. <laughs> I, I don't... I don't. I don't know. I don't know what to say about that. Yeah, it's disappointing because I cheer for Very. Ottawa when you they don't the play Canadian us. You want the Canadian club to do yeah. well, but yeah. man, yeah. You, you want them to do well. You got to win at home, and gotta you win don't home want them to lose to them. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, they would have been disappointed as well. You know? Yeah, they I mean, would have been. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think there would have been some disappointment okay. there, uh, Dre. So maybe a little bit of disappointment. Yeah. So that's pretty much that's the results. That's the results from last week. Now nice. we do have uh, three games tonight to talk about quickly. Yeah. Uh, New York um, beating Jacksonville three nothing at home. Yeah. Expected, I think. I think yeah. yeah. I think uh, New York's got the depth and the the squad that they can do that at home. Yeah, definitely. For sure. And I I personally see Jacksonville as one of the the weaker teams in the league. Yeah. So I don't think yeah. that's a, a huge surprise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ledge says we are one of the weaker teams in the league. Next home game. That. Right on their bulletin board. Right on Very their good. bulletin board. And, then, okay. and then loses. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Who else is playing this today? Um, so right now it is in the second half, Puerto Rico over my good friend, Alan, uh, with uh, Oklahoma. And the score? 2-1, Puerto Rico. 2-1, Puerto Rico. Yeah. Okay, so so uh, they've gotten a goal back then. It was 2 Yeah, they've gotten a goal yeah, back. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Um, and then Indy, Indy in the first half is up 1-0 over Fort Lauderdale, playing at home. Yeah. So, again, you fancy Indy's chances at home. Yeah, you do. Tough place yeah. to play, you know. Indy's a tough place to play. Both the crowd support that they get. I think they get and a then the yeah. great crowd. You know? Yeah, best great crowd crowds. in the NSL, I would say. Difficult surface, I think, to say. To, yeah. be to be polite, nice, yeah. to be nice yeah. about it. It's a difficult surface for a turf. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think we I mean, did not well when we were there. Yeah, I think so. We should have won that game. Yeah, yeah. we should have won that game. I think it, it's not it's not Oklahoma difficult the turf, but it's it's hard as a rock, though, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Want to talk about the week coming up? Okay, so uh, week coming up, Fort Lauderdale is hosting Carolina. Um, picking scores? Is that what we're doing here? Pick oh, scores. you can pick a result. If you want to say a score, go ahead. Or just want to say result, the player. Say yeah. And, and for, anyone that, for anyone that may be listening, we're having a bit of fun with this. Uh, don't take offense to it. If we think your team is going to get hammered 4-0, don't be upset. Just change the result. Yeah. So no just need to worry about it. Prove yeah, us wrong. This isn't a having or a go at you thing. Yeah, yeah, right, tweet us questions. That's right. Tune in so next week. Tweet Dre a question. Well, what Dre we, has what yet can, to answer a question. Yet to answer a question. <laughs> what should we do in training to not give up four goals next week? <laughs> How about that? Yeah. yeah. Tweet that. <laughs> that's a good, okay. that's right. a good so tweet. What's your prediction, Dita? Fort Lauderdale hosting Carolina. You know what? I'm going to go with Carolina on this one. I think it's going to be by one goal. I think it's going to be a two-to-one game. I think it's going to be a draw. 
I, uh, I think, um, yeah, you're emotional because of what you're seeing on the results right now. I think, uh, <laughs> I think Fort Lauderdale beats Carolina at home. It'll be 2-0. Wow. I think Fort Lauderdale's got a good side. I, I still believe that. I think they struggle coming to Edmonton, but we're the only place they've struggled in the last 10 weeks. So when you look at the results and the success they've had, we're the only team that they've struggled against, and that's after a long road trip. So they're a better side than, than what we think they are, I think I believe. Yeah. Uh, and Carolina, you don't know what team's going to show up. Well, and that, and maybe that's so, more the reason. Because the last uh, team that showed up was a quality one, apparently. So. Yeah. That, well. And then their new signing. Tampa's a good team, and they've, and they've beat them pretty well at their home field. Yeah. So, yeah, Carolina's got a decent side. I yeah. mean, they've, they've struggled. but The parity in this league is very good. Every team I think so, every team. Very, th- very you true. know what? I think so. We're, we're flipping coins here yeah. almost every week. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I like a 2-0 Vancouver. I like, um, <laughs> I like Fort Lauderdale just for the fact they're at home. Uh, Tampa Bay hosting Puerto Rico. Oh, Tampa Bay. That one's hard to say. I know way too little about Puerto Rico I'm right say, now. Yeah. But I, I, uh, I'm going to go Tampa Bay. At home. Yeah, Tampa I, Bay yeah, that's the sole reason Tampa Bay at yeah. home for me too. I think if Puerto Rico is uh, working hard to get back into this game tonight, or I'm sorry, they're they're like you said, they're winning two one tonight. Yeah, um, I think they're just going to continue to uh, carry that momentum. But going into Tampa, Tampa at home, come on, they're a good side, Tampa again. Yeah. You know, a surprise, a shock result uh, this past weekend. I like Tampa at home, but I'm like Nick. I don't know enough about Puerto Rico. I've not I've not done game analysis on them yet yeah. for our squad, so I've not really I've seen only them watched play. like maybe 20 minutes of their yeah. season. I've, so I've seen one whole game, the first one at uh, in Puerto Rico, and it was good fan support there. By the way, it was good fan support, but it was an well awfully done. dull game to watch. Yeah. I have to say, yeah. was that because of the commentator? <laughs> oh, the com- <laughs> that guy made it exciting. <laughs> I know. I know. It exciting. He was brilliant, was he? <laughs> <Yeah>. Fantastic. <laughs> Everything was a World Cup winner in that one. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. great. Um, Miami's hosting Jacksonville. Miami. Uh, I think they've turned the corner. I, I'm yeah. going to give Miami. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Miami I think I think Miami is a hard place to go and play. And I think yeah, with all the players that they're bringing in, they they have to start getting results. They have to. Yeah. They have to. Yeah. Someone yeah. someone's not going to be happy if the results don't start coming. No. Um, Mini is hosting Indy. That'd be a good game. Mm, that, Should that be a good, be a good game, game. but yeah. again, you never know. Um, but they, I, 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 I think that one's. Draw. I was going to say that would be a draw. Yeah. I might go draw there. Uh, I've got to go. I'm going Mini on this. I'll take I'll take Indy. Are you? Yeah, I'll take wow. India away. They're just going to keep on rolling, are they? Yeah. Keeping the on rolling. Keeps on rolling. The nice thing about that, if we can get an Indy result uh, then, there, then we can be the first team this year to, to take a win off of them, which I think will be fantastic for us. That'd that be would exciting, be exciting cool. for sure. Yeah. Very cool. So I'm, I'm going mini, uh, hoping Indy. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, Rayo. The bases, then. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Uh, Rayo is hosting the Cosmos. Cosmos. I think I think we're all in agreement that we think Cosmos are going to be a powerhouse in this uh, fall season. They're going yeah. to be the team to beat, other than the Eddies. That's but, right. Uh, Cosmos, it yeah, is. Cosmos. For me. Yeah, yeah, I'm going Cosmos as yeah. well. Um, and then I guess the one we can stay out of or not. No, no. Uh, us versus Ottawa. <laughs> us versus Ottawa. Hosting Ottawa. I, I, I think it's a home game, and, and, and you got to go with us. I, I think we gotta. I think we gotta beat them handily. I don't think it's a question of one nil. I think it's a question of how many are we gonna score against them. <laughs> Very confident there, Dre. I like it. Extremely I think, confident. Yeah, as soon as I, I step on the pitch, yeah. I'll prove them. Yeah, as soon as we let you on the pitch. <laughs> no, I. Uh, I think uh, we definitely need to get a, a good positive result at home. Yeah. I think yeah. we're we're in the right mindset, and I think uh, you know. Even though we got a result on the weekend, I, I don't think everybody's happy with their performance. So I think there's going to be, you know... Uh, Some people trying to prove things exactly, to themselves I think, I, more exactly, than anything else. A exactly. good reaction. Yeah, there's going to be a good, good positive reaction throughout the team. And, you know, it's a Canadian derby and... Mm-hmm. Yeah. And playing against a couple of uh, friends. Ex-player. Yeah, exactly. A couple of yeah. former FC Edmonton yeah, players that and motivates Roberts and Edwards. even more, exactly. So, yeah. no, yeah. I think... Uh, and them. Yeah, I think it'll be a good game, but I, I think uh, you know we're definitely going to come on on top, yeah. like yeah. like we should. Yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pick one on this one. Um, I'll just let this one be. But uh, what I will say about the game, though, is what you've already just mentioned. I mean, for me, it's it's this will be a, a mixed emotion game for me, seeing Milan Roberts and Eddie come back. I mean, obviously, I've known Eddie for a long time in this program and and what he's given the city, mm-hmm. uh, his volunteer work and everything. I can't be understated, you know, and what, and what he's given the club and. Milan for me is uh, 
you know, he's, he's a guy that I've had since Nate. And uh, I had him at Nate. I brought him into our academy. Uh, we've developed him out of the academy into our first team. He's been here for a long time. So I'm always going to have a soft spot for that kid. So seeing him in a different uniform will be, yeah, again, bittersweet, I guess. I mean, I'm glad he's getting minutes. I'm glad he's playing. So on that end of it, the more young Canadians we have getting game minutes, the better. So I love it for that aspect of the story. But it will be tough seeing them in uh, Ottawa's jersey. Yeah, it will be tough. And that's yeah. the, that sort of wraps up the NASL uh, week that's going to be and what's coming up. Uh, one final quick note. Do you want to do the one final quick note or no? Well, we were going to touch on Euros, but since Portugal won, there's no point. Okay, so there's, so there's no point. We'll Drop skip, the mic. Uh, can, we, can we talk about Dre's haircut? I mean, Both just you real guys. quick. I'm, I'm telling you, you, you we, might have seen it. it on Facebook Live. I'm sure the comments are flowing. Jimmy can attest to it. I'm yeah. sure. Yeah, <laughs> I know. How many likes have I gotten so far, Jimmy? Just showed it up. But have, have they seen T's haircut on Facebook? Whose haircut? Thomas, have, oh, they, seen, have they seen that? That is a <laughs> yeah. Well, that's true. That's pretty decent. Yeah. Yeah. Dre did get a screenshot on Twitter. I am so just, maybe I'll get on Twitter myself, and uh, those I, people can follow I'm actually me. impressed that both of you anchors showed up without your kiss makeup on. <laughs> yeah. I kiss thought was, you'd still be wearing That was a brilliant show I last night. I spilled a beer on my T-shirt, so I had to park uh, it tonight. There but, you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is Rabbit Radio. I want to thank Nick Ledgerwood for coming out and being a guest. Nick, thanks very much, buddy. Thank Little you. High five. Little high five. Thanks for having us. Don't leave me hanging. Thank my you, bad. My bad. Uh, Jeff Paulus, yep, great show again up. tonight. Thanks, Andreas. Thank you, buddy. Thanks, oh. Jeff. High five. Hey, no more high five. We'll just high five everybody. <laughs> I want to thank our tech staff, James and Thomas. Thank you guys very much. You don't have to say anything. There's no microphone there. Um, but this is Rabbit Radio again, <laughs> the official podcast of FC Edmonton. We're having fun. Hope you have too. And we'll see you next week. You're listening to Rabbit Radio, the official podcast of FC Edmonton.